0: This is the voice of Stefan GP. We are most regretfully not to be take part in the 2010 F1 Championship, but we will have our revenge. Your Earth will die.
1: Hello and welcome to the world's fastest podcast and picking up the speed for Gareth Jones on speed today Zog Hello there Gareth We've just sat down and watched the first race from Bahrain in case you missed it these are the results Cue the music! Of those who finished in 17th it was truly in the Lotus Cosworth 16th Wemmy for Toro Rosso 15th Covaline and in the other Lotus Cosworth 14th Hulkenberg for Williams Cosworth 13th, Al Gwisari in the Toro Rosso Ferrari. 12th, Sutil, Force India Mercedes. 11th, Kubica's debut in the Renault. 10th, Barrichello, williams Cosby. 9th, Antonio Liuzzi in the Force India Mercedes. 8th, Weber for Red Bull. 7th for Button. Returning, Michael Schumacher, 6th for Mercedes. In 5th place, beating his teammate Schumacher, Nico Rosberg. 4th, Vettel for Red Bull. 3rd, Hamilton, McLaren 2nd, Massa, Ferrari and the winner of the first race of the season Fernando Alonso winning on his debut in the Ferrari Zondag a discuss, we have to applaud him well, oh, Yeah, uh,
2: fantastic, well done, well
1: done no, You couldn't ask for more than winning on your
2: debut for Ferrari He is now an honorary Italian, if he wasn't already <laughs> um, I mean, to, to be honest, I was a little bit disappointed in the race as a whole Particularly because, you know, I think for all of us Our anticipation of how good this season is going to be Has been at a particularly high pitch And there just wasn't really very much action on track There was very little overtaking And I guess we'll talk about why that is in a minute But it was fantastic to see Ferrari back at the front Taking the win Win. They've got a love a 1-2 on this historic 60th anniversary season opening race. Well done, Alonso. Well done, Ferrari. It's going to be a good season, but we could have had a more exciting first race.
1: Now, you see, that's the intelligent, educated, impartial view. I'm not an Alonso fan. I, I rate him as a driver. I'm not I think, partic- yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, me too. I mean, yeah. Uh, he's a fantastic driver, yeah. but I can't be a fan of his. Um, it's perfect that he's in the Ferrari. I think that's, that's magical. And congratulations to Ferrari for that. But I really would have liked to have seen some of my other favourites doing well out there. I mean, actually, for this championship, as a supporter, I'm backing Lewis. Yeah. As someone who's fascinated by this sport, I would love it if Schumacher were able to do it. If not, hmm, an outside flyer, not a hope, would be Nico Hulkenberg from the Williams team, because I think he's a star of the future. That means we're ignoring... Vettel. Yeah, who, who, and Weber. Yeah, uh, of course. Uh, now, but Vettel put it on pole yesterday uh, beautifully, made it look easy, but again, a little bit fragile. It's a classic Adrian Newey design. It made it look easy in qualifying, relatively easy, of course it is. Uh, but it made it look pretty easy
2: during the race. I mean, until mm. this car started to fail, uh, some kind of mechanical problem, not quite sure what it was, maybe it was an exhaust problem. Until that point, he was comfortably in the lead, and it really didn't look like there was that much chance of Alonso taking it from him but Alonso was there as soon as there was any problem for Vettel and bang Took the victory. But talking about, you know, who do we want to win this season? I want McLaren. I want want this to be a McLaren season. I really want Lewis and Jensen. In a way, I don't really mind which one of them wins. I think I'm I'm rather more behind Lewis, to be honest. Mm. Um, But I don't really mind. I really wouldn't mind if Vettel won the championship this year. I'd love it if Weber won the championship this year. You know, Mm -hmm. there's, there's all kinds of possibilities. I want to see Schumacher win races at the very least. And I haven't always been the greatest Schumacher fan, but I love the fact that he's come back in. Mm. and he's going to be fighting with another new generation of drivers, and I would like to see him do well in that fight. But right now,
1: it looks like it's going to be Alonso's year. Yeah, you'd be a tough guy to bet against them, simply because McLaren seemingly don't have the speed at the moment. Now, whether that's down to the combined talents of Lewis and Button and the McLaren team, or just the car, just not quite being quick enough, it looks like the Ferraris have a bit of oomph to them. Now, I would like to see Massa steal it, if anyone's <laughs> going to steal it from Alonso, I think Massa, maybe then Lewis, that, that would be the, the happiest result, because I like Massa, I think, like a lot of great racing drivers, um, whom I'm thinking of here, Nicky Lauda, Mika Hakkinen, and to a lesser degree David Coulthard, they've all experienced horrible accidents of some kind, and have come back, and have been better drivers for it. Now, those are true heroes. I'm talking about Mika Hekinen uh, when he had to have a tracheotomy by the side from of after the... After his crash in Japan. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm talking about... Louder's the, crash at the... Louder at the Nürburgring the, yeah. where he breathed fire, which is extreme. And even Coulthard was involved in a, a plane crash just outside of London once where the plane landed very heavily. And correct me if I'm wrong, but the pilot may have died. I, I think he did, may, yeah. But, yeah and, uh, but he came back from that and was a far greater driver. Now... In the grand history of Formula One that we're celebrating this year, the sixty years, it's full of, sort of heroic moments like that, and these are the heroic moments of the future. So that's why I love Massa for that reason. I have an affection for it.
2: Yeah, I absolutely understand that. Although on this subject of how drivers perform after a huge incident, a hu- you know, a big crash, rather than you know the minor crashes which they will have all the time, I think if you look. At the statistics, you'd find that on the whole, it's the exception for drivers to come back stronger after they've had a really big crash. They tend... Overwhelmingly, to be not as fast after a really big. Can you but, think of any examples? Well, okay, the most recent one I think Olivier Panis I think was possibly had quite quite oh, a bad. he did. He uh, broke his, both his legs. Early, yeah, didn't broke he? both his legs relatively early on in his F1 career, and yeah, yeah. you know he, he seemed to lose a bit of speed after that. I think. Good point. Um, that's the most recent one I can think of.
1: Schumi came back from a broken leg and won his first race back in the Ferrari, if I remember, in '99. Was that I think? Something yeah. Like that. Although Schumacher is exceptional in so many ways, yeah. you know. You know, he will buck the trend in so many ways. Let's talk about Shumi. What a treat to have him there at the race today. Uh, it seems to be quite a quiet race, though. He worked away very diligently, very carefully. He talked about being rusty during qualifying. What was his qualifying position? Let's check it out. Seventh. Yeah, his seventh. Seventh. Button was eighth.
2: You got the impression he was a little bit surprised, a little bit taken aback to be where he was. Of course, he wants to beat his teammate. But yeah, all credit to Rosberg for being, you know, round half a second quicker than Schumacher. You know, we're both Rosberg fans have been since he came oh, yeah. into the sport, well, and, and, and before, before, I, before he was in the yeah. sport. We said previously that this year, with the good car and with Schumacher as a teammate, this is the year where Rosberg really needs to deliver because mm. although he's shown a lot of speed and talent in his F1 career to date, he hasn't really had anything to show for it. This is the year where I think he's really been put to the test and he has to deliver. He can be slower than Schumacher, but... If he's slower than Schumacher, he has to at least show that he's learning from him and, mm. and that
1: he can compete with him. He can't be put in the shade by him. Mm-hmm. We have high expectations for these youngsters who, at one point, during the commentary today, I think it was Eddie Jordan, said, you know, Schumacher learned a lot today. Jake Humphrey said, "Learns a lot, you know, he's been doing it for 300 years or something. And that's the point, that no matter how quick you are on a single lap... I'm talking about Nico Rosberg here. No matter how quick you are on a single lap, Schumacher's ability to read the race, and often in conjunction with someone like Ross Braum, will put together a race that will win rather than over a single lap. And I think that's how you've got to think. And particularly in this season, where we've got 19 races, you've got to put together a championship. We had Alonso's first win, one cuckoo does not spring make. I would still not rule out the ability of the genius that is that combination to put together certainly a championship-challenging attack. And they might even just do it if they're in with a fight at the end. That's my belief. I want to talk more about the future of the season in a moment, but first, a little bit of music for you. Two songs in this show. You said you didn't want any more, so I did two. This first song is about how difficult it is for the new teams coming into F1 to get their car ready for the first race. It's a beastly task, I think, starting from scratch. So this is the Beastly Boys, No Sleep Till Bahrain.
0: We bust a gut with our season preparations. No sleep till Barry. No sleep till Barry. No sleep till Barry. No sleep sleep on our at this time of year. Let me be clear. We don't have a moment for a bottle of beer. Snap front wing Our wind tunnel's broke We're running out of hope. FY10 from being a dream to be
1: Yep, US F1 were noticeable by their absence, but making quite a mark on their debut were, I don't know what to call them, HRT or Hispania Racing Team, Virgin. But first of all, let's talk about Lotus Cosworth, Sog. Fair play.
2: Well, yeah, first of all, all credit to them for having a fabulous-looking car. The green and yellow, great to see that Levery back. It may not be too long before it gets slightly spoiled by too many sponsor logos. We'll see. But, yeah, they finished the race. They got both their cars to the finish of the race, which was really a fantastic achievement. Yeah. Um, to have come from nowhere a few months ago, had their entry accepted, and, as you say, you know, compare what they have done with what USF1 have Haven't done done. failed to yeah. do. Yeah, they, they did a really great job, and uh, let's hope... They do even better as the season goes on.
1: Talking from the point of view of supporters, because I consider myself primarily a fan of motorsport, yeah. not just a reporter. Like you, we're passionate about it. And uh, I was having a conversation with someone else in a similar position to me on Friday night, who knows a bit more about the new Lotus team than I did. So I had a very detailed conversation. I was explaining to him why I find it difficult to support Lotus. Because, because, me, it, because
2: it's, not, it's not sort of the old Lotus team no. there's, <clears throat> there's not the continuity yeah. of personnel
1: yeah. That you might want It's almost as if they've licensed a the franchise That's yeah. what I was, I was saying to him And I found that hard to take But he was very defensive He says, look, you've just got to go down to their HQ You meet the people there They're all British motor racing engineers You know, the heart of it It's, it's not that far away from where Lotus were based traditionally And it feels like Lotus mm. so, now that, that that itself is interesting. I then found out another bit of news. I have to be careful how I say this i 'm not I can allude to something here carefully, as I understand it. There are moves afoot to bring lotus racing and lotus cars under the same ownership right now, whether that is the people who own one party already or own the other party already or a third party who are going to absorb these two i can't say i have to let you guys work that out now if that happens my faith in lotus would be instantly restored it stops being a franchise and then becomes part of the greater lotus family and therefore is family
2: and so you you can keep the faith and you can you don't yeah Yeah. Yeah. well well, let's hope it happens then and
1: that would make me terribly happy but now this led on to an interesting conversation about the choice of the new teams for f1 now we've got USF1, who didn't even make it, who probably won't be there next year, Virgin, and Lotus, and the Curious HRT team. Now, I think the basis on which those teams were chosen were not on the merits of their ability to deliver race at Formula One standards, because you would have chosen Lola.
2: Well, and ProDrive didn't get their entry accepted,
1: and you you would would have to take them seriously and uh, there was one other I can't remember at the moment but I thought they were very very valid and instead it went to a Formula 3 team an absolutely first class Formula 3 team Manor who are now Virgin which seemed curious at the time but it seemed a bit of a leap for them you should go through you should be in a GP2 team or a, maybe even an F3000 or a Champ car team or an IndyCar team or yeah. a Le Mans team yeah. someone stuff. in terms of yeah, okay. yeah so Manor got the gig and I thought that was a bit odd and then Lotus and USF1 and the three of those four that made it have something in common brand Lotus is far more saleable if you're Bernie Eccleston or anyone trying to sell F1 throughout the world, in the way that Ferrari and to a lesser degree McLaren is.
2: Well, is, yeah, it I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, it, 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 mm-hmm. it's worth remembering that uh, although Lotus hasn't been a part of F1 in, in very recent years, if you look back over the, the 60 years of
1: history of the sport, it has a history that's, you know, second only to Ferrari's. Yeah. So. And maybe that's part of it. As part of this celebration of awareness of its own brand, the 60 years, they're trying to protect their own IP, and Lotus is F1's own IP, you might say. Yeah, maybe. maybe. And the interesting one is Virgin. Virgin is a worldwide brand in the way that Red Bull is a worldwide brand, in the way that Ferrari is. And so to bring a major new brand like Virgin into the sport will attract other sponsors. So that was a strategic move on that level. US F1, another strategic move to try and build a faith in the United States to get F1 back into the American market to allow it to grow where it should be. And it's just not there at the moment. Campos, I can't quite explain still. Perhaps they were just trying sort to of cement the relationship with the Latin countries or South America or something.
2: Well, yeah, if you're pursuing that line of thought, then I think you'd have to think that Campos having their entry looked on so favourably was, you know, at least partly because of Alonso's success in recent years and more interest from Spain and from Spanish-speaking countries. And It had its uh,
1: own momentum, you think.
2: Uh, yeah, and so Bernie wants to build on that by getting a
1: Spanish team in there to mm. cement that whole thing. I love the way that F1 has debuted this year. Uh, I look forward to how it's going to pan out over the season. Talking about disappointment, you know, earlier on you said it was a disappointing first race. There wasn't that much overtaking. I think part of the reason it was disappointing was that there was very little at stake this year. The last time we watched a race, it was like, who's going to win the championship? And I think this is a problem. We've spent six months gasping for any. Iota of information about Formula One. You know, we're watching practice, we're watching the live turning, getting up at seven o'clock in the morning, watching on the red button. You know, we're starved of it. Our expectations are so high that even today, if that race had been won from the rear by Karen Shandok in the HRT, we would have been disappointed. Oh, yeah. You know
2: what I I mean? Yeah, I don't know. I I think there is a real problem with the amount of overtaking. I'm I'm worried that we're going to see even less overtaking than we had last year. And I think there are a couple of reasons for that. The lack of refuelling means that. Everybody is on more or less the same fuel weight throughout the race, mm-hmm. and so you've got one less factor that's going to be making cars relative to each other go kind of backwards and forwards in the field relative
1: to each other, so there's that. And on the subject of refueling, now that the cars qualify with empty tanks, then those first few laps are nowhere near as juggled up as they were previously, where people were playing a much broader strategy as when they were going to stop. You yeah,
2: know? there's no one on a light fuel load trying to sprint on. get an an early lead, get clear of the field, and then make an early stop. Mm. Right. And the other thing is, I think that it seems as if drivers are tending to be a little bit more cautious, I guess, you know, partly because they're spending more of the race with a bigger, fatter, heavier car that takes a little more slowing down, and that they're protecting their tyres a little bit more. And that tyre factor means that perhaps they're just being a little bit less brave, So again, they're just having fewer goes. Maybe that's going to change a few races in. Maybe they're going to loosen up a bit. But how many
1: actual passes, (sighs) you know, genuine passes for position did we see in that race? Uh, We we saw Vettel's engine manifold, we think, crack. And therefore, he was passed by the two Ferraris and then Lewis. Yeah, But that's not proper overtaking. Uh, He was limping.
2: I mean it was I, really and just sort of in the, you know, the first couple of laps I think the yeah, they any, any, yeah.
1: there was one moment where Nico Hulkenberg was dicing with a Lotus, who was in the Lotus at the, the time, tr- Kovalainen. it was, Kovalainen, and that looked like proper passing and repassing over three corners, now that may have been the only point in the race where someone had fresh sticky tyres and someone else had old tyres and they could do that, but you want some of that, don't you it's actually, saved- w- one, w- one thing I noticed actually in
2: the race that, 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 that struck me, on the subject of Renault with their new Lada sponsorship. Okay, has a Lada logo ever gone that fast on four wheels before? <laughs> I think that 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 is something notable about this race.
1: Very good. I There's think. a fact right there. The fastest Lada is driven by Vitali Petrov. Big. What a surprise! Yeah. Uh, this one run on paraffin, my friend. Buy it on black market. Oh, also. also vodka. vodka. <laughs> I'm going to talk briefly about some of the cars Some of the things that we noticed in the cars Nicknames for cars You know the Red Bull It's got the kind of a nose of a platypus And it's got those kind of eye things of a raptor You know they they have these little bony structures Just above the eye raptors I think And so it's a sort of platyraptor
0: Platy raptor.
2: Okay, fine. The, the yes, I mean you know the noticeably broad nose thing happening there. A bit sort of dugongy even maybe. But But platy. What was it? Platy-
1: uh, a platy raptor. Platy raptor. Okay, dugong. Like, I like the platy Well, dugong. That's the that's the lotus because the lotus got a big fat back end, hasn't it? And looks. Do you know what? it looks like it looks like the final generation F three thousand car. It does not look like a contemporary F one car. The last. Four years, I would say. So to get it running anywhere near... Anywhere near the pace of the others, that's some <laughs> achievement. It doesn't look right. If it don't look right, it ain't going to go right. What does it say? Uh, any sufficiently fast car is beautiful. You know, if it's
2: fast, it's beautiful. That's true, yes. the, you, know, you make it fast, it suddenly, it suddenly gets better looking.
1: One last thing on Lotus. Six months, their history. Someone, DC said on the commentary on television the other day, well, Lotus, with their history, you know, should be doing very well. So, and I said, I joked, I tweeted, I said that it was something like 11 months history. It was actually six months of new Lotus. So that, that, that's Well, incredible. they've done a... F- yeah. Spectacular job in that time. So there we are, we have four world champions racing, three new teams. Uh, We had no KERS. Did we miss KERS? We had uh, no movable aerodynamic devices on the front wing. No refueling. No, no, they can
2: still move the front wings. Oh, do they do that? They
1: still have the movable front wings. Yes, they do. I missed that. That's interesting. Okay, we have one minute on the subject of the aerodynamics of the cars. Oh,
2: well, I just love what McLaren have done with that. It's, It's absolutely classic F1 engineering. Let's find a clever way to make this thing go fast. It's ingenious, and as has been pointed out many times, there is no such thing as the spirit of the regulations... There is only the regulations.
1: Describe very regulations. briefly, in simple terms, what's going on here. They have uh, a duct just forward of the cockpit that looks like one of those little air vents that you have on the top of an old V eight dragster. Have you noticed that, yeah, like, like a little air scoop. That? Now that collects air yeah. from the airstream over the car and dumps it through a hole into the cockpit. Yep.
2: Unless? Uh, Well, what happens is, as you said, the air is dumped into the cockpit, and provided that the driver's knee isn't in the way, the air carries on flowing through the cockpit, and it flows back out through all the stuff behind the driver's head and is fed to the rear wing in such a way that it affects the turbulence at the back edge of the rear wing, and the turbulence tends to slow down the car. So what happens is by turning on and off the flow of air by moving their knee, the driver is in turn able to have control whether there is turbulent air tumbling off the back of the rear wing or whether the airflow is trying to stick to the rear wing. And that means the a difference of about six miles an hour in terms of straight line speed, I believe. And it's just classic Genius, clever,
1: and
0: stuff, they get really. away with it
1: because they say it's for cooling the driver. Well, did they? When
2: I, I thought they got a, well, as there's,
1: I, as there's I, as nothing said, saying well, you can't do it. They're
2: getting well, yeah. They, they're, they're getting away with it in inverted comments because they're not doing anything wrong. Mm. It's within the rules. Yeah. Now, the grounds on which other teams had objected to it, had challenged it, uh, were the grounds that it's using a movable aerodynamic device, mm-hmm. but as I understand it, the crucial thing is that the rules only ban a movable aerodynamic device that's part of the car yeah, and yeah, the driver's yeah. knee isn't part of the not car the, yeah. therefore, if you know, even if you count the driver's knee as a movable aerodynamic device, which strictly speaking I suppose it is it's clearly not part of the car therefore it's not
1: ruled illegal So, it's, <laughs> it's Great, love genius it. just love If it. the only way they could effectively ban that under the present regulations, if they invoke the spirit of the law, saying that you know, any movable aerodynamic device thereby every racer from now on every driver would have to be practically cemented into the car with a, a, a urethane foam mould holding their arms in one yep. position, preventing them from moving even their head. Look at driver's well, helmets. They're aerodynamic devices. You'd, you'd, you'd have to start using thought control to, uh, <laughs> t- to steer the car. Hey, have you seen Violet's new iPhone? I swear it could do it. <laughs> yeah. You've been listening to Gareth Jones on the speed. Uh, Zog, prediction for the season? Who's going to win it? Is it going to win uh, I think it's going to be a long time. I, I hope it's going to be Lewis, but I think it's going to be a long time. Crikey. I wish I could even say at this point ask me again in a few races time that's my answer say goodbye Zog goodbye we'll leave you with uh, our traditional end to the first show of the season this is F1's Back 2010 we'll be back in 12 days
0: Whoa, F1's Back for 2010 Rosberg was man Friday again the rest of the pack needed mollifying by Vettel the quickest in Qualified. Is Shoeby too old as he left it too late? Or can the silver baron make a championship eight? It was really weird seeing Lotus on the grid But nowhere near as weird to see as seeing Schumacher's lid Virgin lost the cherry but got stuck in the muck Branson in a pickle and out of luck Senna was there, cannot make the start But frankly their car is a bit of a cart Are the prancing horses? They look quick
1: But if champion i To send us an email,
0: see pictures, get song lyrics Join our Facebook fan site or follow us on Twitter Go to garethjones.tv Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang Gareth Jones on Speed <laughs>